Hello, and welcome to the Pragmatic Live podcast series, where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management and marketing professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I am Rebecca Calajaris, Vice President of Marketing at Pragmatic Marketing, and your host for this episode. Today, we have Diane Pearson, one of our instructors on. Hello, Diane. Hi, Rebecca. All right, Diane, I am pretty sure this topic we're going to talk about today is is one that I know is a big passion point for you. I picture you having like a big cross-stitched sign in the in your office that says, a happy company is an aligned company. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of one of my themes, isn't it? Yes. And I, it's a valid point, right? If you're going to move together, if you're going to be successful, you have to make sure your organization is aligned. And that sounds really easy, right? Like, let's just go out, have a couple beers, get everyone on the same page, we'll be done. But it's a lot more than that, isn't it? Oh, it is. You know, it's my belief that the biggest roadblock to success is getting out of your own way. Mm. If we understand that the market has a need and we've figured out a way to solve that problem, the only thing that's stopping us from getting there quickly and effectively is our own miscommunications inside our organizations. I mean, you know, if it's, there are real things like funding, there are things like if you're talking about drugs or, or medical devices, you may have to meet certain regulations. I mean, of course, those things are all there and they're all real. But when it comes down to it, for many of us in the market, it has to do with making sure everybody in the organization understands what the priorities of the organization are, what success looks like, and who's responsible and accountable for getting those things done. That makes a lot of sense. Because even while everybody, nobody has enough resources, time or people, one thing that, you know, you'll never have enough resources if they're all pulling in opposite directions, right? You could just keep putting more and more resources on it and you're not going to solve that problem. You need to be aligned. You need to be focused. You need to have everyone working in the same direction. Absolutely. I mean, if you think about any any sports team, um, you know, sports teams by nature have, have one or two backups for each position. But when they're out on the court or the field, it's one person, one task. And while we all maybe have to be a little bit more flexible than that in business, or, or maybe we've got the benefit of having multiple people. It's still making sure that everybody understands what they're responsible for in the entire ecosystem of getting things done. And the good news is about this is there are tools you can use to make this happen. It's not difficult to do it once the organization commits to being aligned and executing with as much power as they can get behind that initiative. Okay, so let's, in our imaginary organization, Acme Corp, we know we need to be aligned. We've all come together. We see our, we have an issue. We're pointing in the different direction. How do we fix it? What do we do? A great way to start is to figure out what are the priorities of the organization and just make sure that everybody understands that. And a tool that you can use, a process, is the gap analysis. Now, a gap analysis is a comparison of actual performance with the potential or desired performance. If the organization isn't making good use of resources, this is a great place to start because at the highest level, you can simply take what all priorities are believed to be in the organization, all the initiatives that are ongoing today, and the people who are involved in those initiatives. And and in this particular case, a great way to start is to have everybody in your organization just fill out a form. Here are the the 10 priorities that we've all identified. Force rank them and see what you get back. Because you may find, first of all, that different departments or, or groups within your organization have completely different ideas. And, you know, maybe they're direct 
conflict with each other. You know, there, there may be people, product teams, for example, they're working very hard on their particular initiative. And, you know, as far as they're concerned, it's got to be one of the top three in the organization, right? And, and if they vote that way and you find out, you know, this isn't and they should understand this and, and everybody should understand this. Well, it's, it's time to illustrate here's what the actual performance is today. Here's what we perceived it to be. Now, where are the gaps in that? So first of all, we can just educate people. Here's the perception versus the reality, which is a big amount of light to shed on what could be some of your biggest problems. And then, of course, you can say, well, now let's talk about in, our, in the future what should be the most important priorities. And so we've started with what's the perception versus what's the reality so that we can get everybody aligned around the reality. And we'll come back to that, what should the future look like as we move through the other tools. What's really interesting too is that's a something we could do quickly in a company no matter what the size of your organization, right? You could put together a survey monkey, 10 item stack rank survey in under 20 minutes, and you could send it out to an organization dispersed all across the globe with tens of thousands of people. Or you could do it in a, in a group of five, right? I mean, it's a really easy, quick, don't overthink the first step. Don't think, oh, we've got to make an elaborate piece. Just take a look at where you are today quickly and efficiently and know a kind of your baseline of where you want to, so you have a baseline and then you have a view of where you need to go and how big that gap is. Absolutely. This is something you can do with zero dollars and almost zero time. It's, it's that beautiful because anybody can do it. You don't, you don't have to have a lot of technical knowledge. You don't have to have any budget and you have to have very little time to do this initial very effective way. Awesome. All right. So Acme Corporation has done this. We know what people think our priorities should be. We know what we, what, what as an organization, the strategy calls for those priorities to be. We have a good understanding of our gap. What do we do next, Diane? The next thing, Rebecca, is when you look at these, one of the things you might discover in your initial gaps is that it's all a matter of what people are describing and, and that the language that different groups or individuals are using is different. And so here's where common language begins to play a role. Understanding what launch means, understanding what priority itself means. What do those mean within our organization? How are things that are high priority different than things that are low priority. What does launch mean? So initially, right at the very beginning, after you do this perception versus reality gap analysis, common language starts to be an issue for our company. And we want to make sure that everybody's talking about the same thing. As we go forward, common language and defining what terms mean within an organization are critical. And so this now plays a role on an ongoing basis throughout all processes. Anytime anyone hears somebody say something like, this needs to be given a high level of focus, the next response to that should be, tell me what that means in, in terms of action, in terms of activities. What does success look like if we give that a high priority? What does the end result look like? So common language means definition, and not only of the term, but of the outcome. Clarity of vision, always a good one. And it's always fascinating how people can use the same terms and feel like they're fully aligned. And then when you dig in and, and how they define those, it can be completely different. That's, a, uh, that's one of the scarier pieces, right? You're not using a different language. You're using the same language, but you're using it differently. 
absolutely. I mean, imagine if you know you went out onto a battlefield and said, "Attack the enemy." If if no one's sure who the enemy is, we could have people running in every direction. I, I use the example in classes. I, I'd like you all to make a list for a packing for a one-week vacation. So think of the vacation and pack for it. All the equipment you're going to need, the clothing you're going to need, and you know, people, people come back with vacations in the mountains where they're going to need ski boots and parkas and mittens. And other people come back with, you know, we're going to need bikinis and flip-flops and sunscreen. If people don't understand what vacation you're talking about, their activities, their response to that could be vastly different. So we know our gaps. We have a common language. What, what would be some hints to help them do the common language before we just assume we have it? How would you help them do that? The common language would be any time there's a term used in a group to define it, if, if, it's, if it's a goal-oriented term. So if it is something like launch or drive revenue or drive renewals, first of all, let's make sure we know what renewals mean. Are we talking about pure renewals? Are we talking about upsells? Different organizations call those things by different names. And if you have new people within your organization and it's not defined, they may just assume that the old definition from their old company works here, and it may not be the case. So whenever there's a term that is implying achievement or a goal or a responsibility, either ask for or define that term. So if you're the leader, it's, it's up to you to define that term, but if no one's defining it for you, ask what the definition is. And the definition should include not only the time frame or the parameter that's going to be measured, but the actual outcome. What what do you actually mean by by launch? What and, and it, you know is this different this time than it was last time? It could be. So, giving those specifics on items that are going to be measured, on items that are expectations, those are the places to start most urgently. And then I'd say, anytime you don't understand a word that's being used, ask. And I think shorthand can be our problem here, right? You you know, particularly within a group, you might start using shorthand so you're not always saying it, but that shorthand is dangerous. And you have to, it gets to be like a, a game of a phone, right? Where, you know, my direct team may have a complete understanding of what we mean when we say Project Orange. But the further we go out or the further someone was away from the conversation where we originally defined it, then the less that means. And it can be a crutch that we put on that can end up, you know, being pretty dangerous because this Project Orn has morphed into something entirely different. Oh, absolutely. I think that's a great example. And, you know, particularly in organizations where a lot of the employees have been together for many, many years, as, as those organizations begin to grow or they begin through whatever necessity to hire new people from the outside, it's challenging to realize how much of the meaning of the things that are discussed in terms of success or timelines or milestones, product teams or product or, or individual titles, all of those things take on very specific assumptions in different organizations. And if we're together too long, we begin to assume that that's what the world calls this thing. Oh, yeah. And it, it may not be. Um, and and I've, I walked into a couple of situations like that, and I'm sure many of us have, where we thought because we were hired to be directors of product management or, or product marketing managers that that meant a certain thing. Mm-hmm. And when we got in the door, we found out not. Now, after a while, I started asking those specific questions. What, what do you mean by that? And, 
and what direct responsibilities. And that's where you, you know, not only did I use the pragmatic marketing framework for that, a lot of people do, but I also used a tool that's out in the public domain called the RACI chart. It's R-A-C-I. And and many people have, have probably heard of the RACI chart, but this is the third tool that I would recommend that our company use because now that we've identified what the perception was in in terms of what our priorities and we've gotten the reality out into the organization so the organization now understands that and is aligned and we've started defining what those terms are in our priorities you know through that through the gap analysis and then through our our common language now we got to figure out who's in charge of this who's accountable for it and one of the best ways to do that is to begin with a RACI chart. Now, uh, the RACI chart is is an acronym, and what those letters stand for, R-A-C-I, are responsible, accountable, consulted, and informed. These are four parameters used in decision-making, and, and different people use um, different acronyms here. Some people use decider instead of responsible, or, you know, so you, you might hear of different things. Again, you might want to have a common language here. So we're going to use the RACI chart. And what this allows you to do is, is by department and then by individual assign for a specific task who is responsible. And, and the person who's responsible, this is the person who's responsible for doing the work. This is the person who performs the task. Now, that person may be different than the person who's accountable or the department who's accountable. That's primarily the person in charge of the task or work. So if you've got a leader who is accountable for making sure something gets done, that person may not do the work themselves. That's one of those beautiful benefits of being a leader. (laughs) But somebody on, on his or her team is most likely performing the task or the work. So you have the responsible, you have the accountable, then you have the experts, uh, the people who either give feedback or contribute. Those are the consulted individuals. And then there's a group of individuals who simply need to know that this action or this decision was taken. And you talk about clarifying and and giving focus to people's jobs and roles and helping them understand. The RACI chart is one of the most effective ways to do that. It it simply says, "This this is your role in this particular task. And it clarifies, okay, you know what, I'm, I'm not the person who, I'm not going to be consulted on this. This is not an area where I'm going to be consulted at this time. I'm going to be informed. Or, oh, you know, I didn't know I was accountable for that. I mean, I knew I was doing some of the work for it, but I didn't know I was on the hook for it. I didn't know that I was responsible for the whole thing. Oh, okay, I, I can step up to that, but now I, you know, I needed to know. And so the RACI tool is is beautiful once you understand what's a priority now you can put people against those priorities to make sure they get done and people understand their roles and it helps you have difficult conversations where maybe for example a team has grown over the you know grown rapidly over the past couple of years and people who used to have a high degree a very broad degree of accountability now have a narrower accountability role and you know that that can be difficult for people and and understanding that can first of all help them help them focus their activities in a more positive way, but it also helps everybody in the organization understand what the role is and whether or not the person in the role is a good fit. Maybe maybe I look at my role as it stands today and say, oh, you know what, this isn't this isn't the right role for me. I'm going to apply for another role in the organization that's that's a better fit with what I want to do every day. But this role we now understand is is either responsible, accountable, consulted, or informed on these tasks. 
And I know as long as I hold this role that those are my actions, that, that these are the things I am to do. It makes it very clear. I think that's a great point about growing organizations and the need to redo this. Um, and so I suspect there is some amount of periodic check-in on these items. Uh, the gap analysis, the, the race in particular, how, like, is there a frequency that one should just kind of at least validate that it's still right? This is one of those things that it may depend on the organization, but certainly, certainly when you talk about the gap analysis that we talked about specifically, the priorities, that's a great one to do once a year because people should be able to retain that. And, and if your strategic priorities are changing more than once a year, then yeah, absolutely. You should, you should do this more than once a year. But once you a year should probably a- also consider why your strategic initiatives are changing quite that frequently. <laughs> like not the individual items, but if your ship is changing directions, you know, every two yeah. months, that would also be a sign. <laughs> well, you know, you're, you're trying to uh, change directions of, of the big ship every, every quarter or every month. Then yeah, you, you've, you've probably got some alignment problems that you need to take a look at at a higher level. And so, yeah, I would say gap analysis once a year, the RACI document, this could be something you do once a year. This could also be something on a project by project basis that you use for quick changes. And here's something that organizations sometimes do and sometimes don't do, but I'm an advocate of, and that is certain teams are very good at innovation. Certain teams are very good at low levels of structure, high degree of uncertainty, uh, pulling together a lot of disparate information and, and creating a hypothesis and then validating it. That same group tends to be very bad at repetitive tasks that effectively scale an organization to create profitable revenue growth. So unfortunately, what what can often happen is a team identifies an opportunity in the market. They they hypothesize, they put something out there, the market likes it. They get this thing to about initial launch. And then that group gets very impatient with the high growth and profit focus that you need to scale. But rather than changing their accountabilities and responsibilities, we, we kind of just munge those people along and hope for the best. And those people tend to drop out and, and momentum is lost. So sometimes what organizations do, and the thing that I like, is as a product or an initiative passes from one stage to another, different individuals or departments are responsible, accountable, consulted, or informed because those roles are changing. And so somebody who used to be accountable for this product pre-launch is now informed because that product is in scale Um, and and vice versa. The team that is going to take that product from launch to scale is now accountable for making that happen. And so you may find that you need to do these dynamically because of those shifts in expectations and the, the shifts in skill. You might also find that if one department grows or you do an acquisition, another racy chart needs to be done. I would say doing these as you do your gap analysis once a year is great, but then see if you need to do them in another t- at another time. Both of those tools can be used for multiple activities, but when we're talking about these specifically, I like once a year for gap. I like, let's say, once a quarter for the RACI document, just to validate it. So gap analysis, RACI, common language. Is that it? Are we done? Oh, we have a bonus. Oh, a bonus. Oh, I love a bonus. Bonus on our three, Rebecca. So, yeah, we've, we've talked about our, our um, three tools you can use being the gap analysis, the RACI document, and the creation of a common language with, with specific definitions. But 
overall and on an ongoing basis, the bonus I would use here in order to get organizational alignment is data, data, data. So often organizations have data that they express as opinions. And you, you know this from hearing me say it. My very favorite rule that we have in, in all of our training is your opinion, while interesting, is irrelevant. It's always been my favorite rule. It was my favorite rule when I took our classes. And, and what it means to me is my role in the organization is to go out and find out what the market wants and overlay with that the strategic priorities of my organization to create priorities and products that have the best possible opportunity of providing us with profitable revenue growth while meeting a need in the market. And in order to do that, I got to go out and get the data. And in order to get buy-in in the organization and to get that organizational alignment, data will always win. Diane Pearson coming in and saying, hey, you know what? I really think we ought to do this. It's, a lot of people are going to say, well, hey, you know what? Rebecca thinks we ought to do that. Or, or Joe thinks we ought to do something entirely different. And what ends up happening, we, we end up having a, a discussion of opinions. And people leave the room uh, pretending to have agreed, and they really go out and they just do what they're going to do. Data always wins those conversations. If you know what the market wants and you bring that data to the people in the room, whether they're responsible, accounted, accountable, consulted, or informed, they can align around that because they understand this isn't about my opinion or your opinion. This is about what the market wants. And all of a sudden, when you start to turn your focus outside the organization with data, it changes the conversation. It's no longer the product team against the development team against the sales team. It's everybody trying to serve the market. It, it puts us all back on the same team. And, and with, with these other tools, the use of data to make decisions will help an organizational alignment infinitely. When I imagine it's using the data both to help define the goal of which the organization needs to be aligned around and then using it regularly to make sure you are, in fact, heading in the right direction in the, think, in the way you think you are, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, in, in many ways, the, the common language is driven out of the data. I mean, you're, yes, you're defining terms, you're defining what a, what's the difference between a product manager and a product marketing manager in our world, but absolutely, that data is going to shore up those priorities. You know, why are these number one priorities? You know, why why were we wrong to assume that that was a priority when it's not? Answering that with the data versus answering that in some other way, whatever that other way may be, is the strongest way to go. It's the way that people are going to understand the most. It's the way that makes most sense to everyone. Oh, okay, the, the market wants that and, and they've shown us that they've displayed that need um, in these surveys and these comments and these on-site visits that we've done, um, whatever it is, you're bringing the voice of the market in. And it's, it's not about a power struggle inside the company. It's about responding to the market. I always say the, my favorite decisions are to make are the ones where I have market data. I feel confident. I can defend them. I'm not worried about them. I mean, there's still ways of executing it where you don't do it as well, but I know what to do. Absolutely. And everybody else does too. I think that's the true beauty of it. It's very hard to argue with market data. You can, you can put data against data, but that's a discussion you want to have. That's the kind of fearless and productive discussion that builds organizational alignment. It doesn't tear it apart. And so you're exactly right. It, it gives you that direction and everybody can respond to that. If you know the data, you understand the priorities, 
I can operate so much more independently if I have that knowledge, as well as staying aligned with the organization. So it's, it's just tremendous leverage. Get the organization aligned, use a few simple tools to do it, but create that common language and go get the data. Diane, we have picked, talked about a bunch of things today. If you were to pick two things that you wanted people to do differently tomorrow based on what we talked about today, what would it be? I would start with that beginning piece. I would do the gap analysis. What do people think the priorities are today? And and what did you assume that they thought the priorities were today? Get that knowledge first and begin to work into your organization the expectation of and use of data to justify organizational alignment around priorities. Thank you, Diane. Oh, you're welcome. A pleasure as always. And thank you everybody for listening. Uh, Don't forget to join us next week when we tackle another great topic designed to help you elevate your product, your company, and your career. 